Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. We've been uh, going through some Old Testament books, uh, prophets, uh, Haggai and Zechariah. And we have also tied in for the last week our last few few sessions, and these have been going Mondays and Sundays, we have been uh, tying into uh, the book of Ezra, and in particular, the last uh, four chapters from 7 through to chapters 10. And uh, we've been looking at um, this building of the temple, and from the beginning of Ezra, just a little bit of background. From the beginning of Ezra, you recognize that there is a, a, a historical uh, account given. So he speaks of what had happened uh, roughly 60 years prior. And so at this point, the temple's already built, but there needs to be a, a, a shift or a change in the hearts of the people. And so the last four chapters now is, is around 530, 535 B.C. And uh, so there's this uh, call to, uh, to be right before the Lord. So that even as the temple is built, there needs to be a, a, a shift in the spiritual uh, place of the people. And um, so... There's a, f a number of things that we found out about Ezra, and uh, if you missed last week, go check it out on the website, our website, or check it out on YouTube, uh, Lighthouse Niagara, and you can catch some of the things, the unique uniqueness of Ezra. One thing is he had a heart for the, the, the Word of God. He was not just a, a, a priest, but he was also a scribe. So he was writing the word of God and he would, so going through it, so he knew the word of God and um, he was meticulous and we see that in, um, you'll see it even today, uh, what the Lord had put on his heart, uh, that we would be meticulous as well in our dealings with God, that we would not just be casual, but that we would love him with all our heart. This series has been called, or is entitled Revive, and um, has come out the passage, Zechariah 4, verse 6, uh, that talks about the fact that we have life in and by the Spirit of God. And not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord, the mountains will be made as a plain. And so... If there are things in your life that you say, hey, is God able to do this? Uh, I'm saying to you tonight that, yes, he can. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Ezra chapter 8. And we're going to go through this chapter, and there's parts that I, I won't read everything of. But I just want to make some points along the way as we have, um, as we look into the scriptures, as we look into the word of God. I've uh, entitled this Part 8, uh, 
of this Revive series is actually a question. And the uh, question is, can I trust God? And I don't know, I don't know about you, but uh, usually when we get into a place that is extreme we're, or a new situation, something that we haven't gone through, we, we are wondering, will I be able to trust God? And um, there is just a very short, there's a short section uh, in the middle of this chapter. And, and then sort of is, there are different uh, verses or parts of verses that uh, would help us and definitely helped Ezra when it came to being or trusting God. Can I trust God? The question. So. Just a few things uh, as we just look at these verses and as we get into the, the text here from Ezra chapter 8. It says, these are the heads of their father's houses and this is the genealogy of those who went up with me from Babylon in the reign of King Artaxerxes, who is also, uh, would be Darius the first. All right. So King Artaxerxes and Darius or Darius are the same king, all right? And so here they are, Ezra and those that are going to Jerusalem have, like, they've been out of captivity for about 100 years, but the people, so many of the people had not gone back. They, they were... They stayed in Babylon or they stayed in, in, in Persia. And so they didn't go back to their, their land because they, they, many of them were, most of them at that point already, were born in those, those areas, whether it was Babylon or whether it was in Persia that later on took over Babylon, overcame them. And so they stayed where they were born in their area. How many, how many of you are uh, in the same town that you were born in? Anybody? Okay. So a number of you have moved. How many of you have shifted countries from where you, you were born? Okay. There's a few more. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, that I see hands up of all those that are here tonight. Um, so how many of you... Um, have would move back to where you were where you were born the country you were born how many of you would move back okay so ernie ernie was born in canada he'd stay in canada okay you're born in, in northern country it's like another land for sure um so a number of us yeah we we move out or we or we're staying in the area that we were born in, the land that we were born in. Um, and so for them, they were born in captivity. And uh, so they are the children, the offspring, and, and then maybe the grandchildren. And so Ezra here is coming into uh, the promised land where the, that God had entrusted to the, the people of uh, of the house of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, the the nation that had come out of out of Jacob, especially, and so here, 
Now, these people, and Ezra in particular, is going back for the first time to Israel and, and specifically to Jerusalem, to where the temple is. And so there are people that are going with them. And so now the names start, they, they are being given. And so those, and this is a genealogy of those who went up with me from Babylon in the reign of King Artaxerxes. So, and they weren't necessarily all just from the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. They were from different tribes as long as they could verify their genealogy. So that's interesting that uh, uh, they had to verify their genealogy. And who, who were they? Who were their, was their father and grandfather and great-grandfather and so on? So interesting because I couldn't get past too much past my, my grandfather uh, and great-great and great-great-grandfather. I absolutely don't know. I just, I don't know. So... Um, and so now all the names start, there's a number of verses, and it starts, the sons of Phineas, Gershom, of the sons of Ithamar, Daniel, of the sons of David, Hattush, of the sons of Zechariah, of the sons of Perush, Zechariah, and registered with him were 150 males. Of the sons of Pahath, Moab, Eli, Honei, the son of Zerah, Zerahiah, and with him, 200 males. And it goes through, by name, these different heads of, of, these, of those that are going back to Israel, going back to Jerusalem. Today we sang a song, He Knows My Name. And we're talking about, can I trust God? I want you to know today that God knows your name. God knows your name, and you are important to him. A lot of times when we're going through difficulties, when we're going through struggles, and we're going to, into the unknown like they were, they didn't know exactly what was ahead of them. They were going into new territory, and it was like, can I trust God in this? And here, the thing that really stood out about all these verses, the first 14 verses with all the names and all those that came, 1,754 individuals that, that were marked down and the numbers of them, um, God knows who you are. God knows where you're at. God knows where you're going through. And I, I also like the, th the, it says the sons of Aden. Abed, the son of Jonathan, and with him 50 males, is the fact that God knows also your children. A number of you here are, are parents, and you say, Does, can I trust God with my children? And because of you, a child of God, you can say, yes, even my children. And here it's marked again, the sons of, the sons of, the sons of the children of. And you can know that God knows your children just as you are important to him. Our children, our children are important to him, very important. So these were coming back to the land of Israel. 
And this was important, really, in that there would be a peoples in the promised land and for the Messiah to come. And in fact, the genealogy was, was critical because the Lord would be coming through some of these individuals through the gene uh, genealogy that is intact. And this is where they're, they're saying, or God desired or wanted for them to know their past, where they came from. And because, because of the fact that the, the Messiah was going to be coming through one of these. I, I, I didn't have a chance to take and look at which one it was, but it'd be interesting to see. Uh, maybe somebody can check quick if Ezra is part of, of that or, or Zerubbabel or Zechariah beforehand. If any of these names are um, in the genealogy that's mentioned in uh, Luke chapter, I think it's chapter 3. Or Matthew chapter 1. So God knows you. You are important to God. And you might say, is that, that's Old Testament. Is the New Testament, does, is there any declaration of the importance of God? Or the, the importance of you to God, your value? Think about it. Jesus, God the Father gave his son, his only begotten son, to die for you. Tell me that you're not important. Tell me that you're not important, that God the Father gave his son, and Jesus went willingly to the cross because you are important. And so, can I trust God? Know this, that God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it wasn't even while we are in right standing with God. It was even before we were in right standing with God that God values you. You are important to him. Can I trust God? Yes, I can. He gave his only begotten son that as we believe in him, that we can have eternal life. Praise God. So, as we get into this, can I trust God? I, I want to look at some of these passages as we carry on from verse 15 about who we need to be in this whole thing of trusting God. To, to throw yourself at God. Just, Lord, I just give myself to you. I may not... I may not be at the place yet of, of knowing all that you can do for me or all that you would do in, in my life. And, and I don't know all the details, but that you would just say, Lord, I'm going to give myself over to you. I will give myself over to you. I am going to serve you. As we go to verse 15, it says, now I gathered them, all these almost 2,000 individuals. I gathered them and, and their families and whatever. So there was more than just 2,000. I gathered them by the river that flows to Ahava, and we camped there three days. And I looked among the people and the priests, and I found none of the sons of Levi there. So the, the, from the tribe of Levi, there was not a single person. Can somebody tell me, what were the 
the Levi, or from the tribe of Levi, what were they called? They were the priests and the tribe as a whole, if you were part of that tribe, they were called Levites. And the Levites, now there were priests, but there were none of the sons of Levi there. And uh, the Levites were supposed to be those that were ministering to the Lord and also to the people and the Lord through them. They, they were involved in the, the work of the temple. And so here, as, as Ezra's looking, he's, he found none of the sons of Levi there. Then I sent for Eliezer, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jerob, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshulam, leaders, also for Joyarib and Elnathan, men of understanding. Now, what do you think was a popular name at that time? It was Elnathan. So there's Nathan, but there's three times Elnathan is mentioned, and that name uh, means God is the El has given. God has given. Nathan on his own, it means giver, but El Nathan is God has given. And so there was this acknowledgement. Can you imagine? So the parents still in the land of their captivity are calling their children God has given. God has given, even though they're not in the promised land at that point. God has given. And so here he is, Ezra is looking that there would be servants. There was a need for servants to serve in the temple of God and to help the priests in the temple. The Levites were, were there and they were helping the, the priests. And I, I gave them a command for Ido, Ido, the chief man at the, the place, Kafsifia, and I told them what they should say to Edo and his brethren, the Nithium or Nithinim. You might say, what's a Nithinim? They were basically temple servants, specifically temple servants, helping uh, at the place well, that they should bring. I've got something mixed here. Uh, that they should bring us servants for the house of our Lord. So there was this call, this command given to this chief man, this overseer, uh, that the Nith Nithinim would come to help in the house of the Lord, that there would be Levites found from the tribe of Levi to help in the house of the Lord. In your your situation, whatever it may be, that you would, there's a call for, for here for those that would come to be servants or ministers for the house of God. And I want to say to you, uh, in this trusting of the Lord, and it was almost like, I don't know, maybe they're saying, ah, or the Levites are saying, I, I don't want to go. 
I don't want to leave home. I don't want to, I, I, I've got to do my, I'm, I'm settled here. I'm, I'm fine and I don't want to serve the Lord. Let me just say that the Lord, the, some of the greatest blessings that I have in my life comes as a result of serving the Lord. That we would serve the Lord. I recognize, hey, some of you, yes, you're, you're, you're parents perhaps or you're part of a family and you're, you've got maybe if you're younger, you've got a whole career or goals or whatever ahead of you. And it's like, I don't want to shift. And I'm not saying that, that we, you know, you need to change your plans, but I'm saying that in your life, as you are moving forward, that you would have this, this in your mind, this one of the priorities to be, Lord, I need to be your servant. I need to serve you. I need to serve you. There was, there's this call for servants in the house of the Lord. I just want to say thank you to the Lord and to you for all of you that are involved in the work of the Lord, even here, some in the church, some outside of the church. But the work is, Lord, I'm going to serve you wherever I am, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at school, whether I'm at home, wherever I am, Lord, I am your servant. A servant in the house of our God. Workers are needed in the house of our God. And even today, there's, there's this need for, for workers in the house of the Lord to do the work of the Lord, to help out with the work of the Lord. So many of you are involved in doing the work of the Lord and helping out in the work of the Lord. One of the greatest things that we can do when Jesus began his ministry, he immediately recognized he was limited on this planet because he was confined to the human body. And so the limitation was of time. It was of, I can't be everywhere at once. So there was this thing, and it says in Philippians chapter 2, of this, this thing of being in the, the, the form of, of man to take on a body that confined him and limited him. But I would say that even outside of the limitation of Jesus Christ and needing to have others to help him in the ministry that he would begin for the last three and a half years of his life, I would say even if there wasn't any limitation, it would be the, the aspect of, you know what? There is something about doing the work of the Lord that is exciting. There is something about being a disciple of the Lord Jesus, a willing servant of the Lord. So Matthew 9, 35, it talks about as he began his ministry, he went all to all about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
So this, this aspect of the Lord saying, I want you to be a part of the bringing in the harvest. I'm the Lord of the harvest, and I want you to bring in the harvest. It is ripe. It is a great harvest, and that we would bring it in because there is something about bringing in souls to the Lord. There is something about taking part, and that the Lord would desire for us to take part in the joy of leading somebody to Christ. As a pastor, one of the, the things that, that uh, for me is, is so exciting is seeing somebody come to the Lord to have, even outside of a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night Bible study or whatever, is to have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ or to share with them, not, maybe not even lead them to Christ, but to share with them about Christ. And I look forward to those times. If you are willing to be a servant, the Lord is saying, I want, to, I want you to be used by me. In fact, I want you, in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about being co-laborers together with God. We're co-laborers together with him. He's saying, I want you to come aside or alongside me in this work. To be a servant, there needs to be servants for the house of our God. Be a servant. Hallelujah. In Ezra 8, verse 18, it says, Then by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding of the sons of Mahli, the son of Levi, the son of Israel, namely Sherebiah, with his sons and brothers, 18 men, and Hasha, Hashabiah, and with him Jeshaheah, of the sons of Merari, his brothers and their sons, 20 men, and also of the Nithinim, whom David and the leaders had appointed for the service of the Levites, which would have been like almost 600 years, almost 700 years prior, had appointed for the service of the Levites 220 Nithinim. All of them were designated by name. And so this aspect of the good hand of our God upon us, we need in our service, in our servanthood, to just, Lord, I'm going to trust you that you have, have called me to be who I need to be for you and let your hand, your good hand, of our God be upon us, be upon me. We need the good hand of our God upon us. With God, all things are possible. Without God, it is the work of man. Do we want to have God being a part of our servanthood, our ministry? Do we want God's hands upon us? Do we want his spirit upon us? And the answer is absolutely, Lord, that I would not do anything apart from you. Let me do what you would have me do. Let me be a servant. I can trust you. You are a good God and that your hand would be upon me in the ministry that I would do, whether it's at home, in my own home, whether it's at work, once again, or whether it's at school, wherever I may be, whether it's at church, Lord, that your hand would be upon me, your anointing would be upon me.
You might say, but pastor, can I trust the Lord when I don't have faith? And this is the, this next few verses was really what struck me about this whole chapter. It says, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek, him, seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the, God, the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road because we had spoken to the king saying, so the decree was going out. Darius was saying, hey, this needs to, there needs to be a work. I'm giving you permission to leave. I'm, I'm. And so Ezra obviously was, was in contact with the king and it was interacting with the king and was telling the king, this is the God that I serve. And so... <laughs> We get to a place of saying one thing, and then it's just like, okay, when the, there's this expression, when the rubber, what is it, when the rubber meets the road? It's when it really, when it comes down to it, can I trust the Lord? So here, Ezra is saying, you know what, I, I had already told the king, says, the hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. And so he had spoken these things to the Lord. The God, the God that I serve is, is upon us for good to those that seek him. And then he's saying, how can I ask the king? I've, I've, I've been declaring the goodness and the power of our God. And so how can I ask now? Can you provide some protection for us as we do this journey? This was a long journey. This journey as well for, for him was, it, it took them four and a half months of traveling. And you say, well, what's the big deal? Like they've got, they've got a big contingent. But it doesn't say that they took warriors with them to protect them. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. And we're gonna, I'm going to pull out a few things as we go on. This was miraculous, uh, how God answered the prayer uh, for them. In these few verses here, can I trust the Lord when I have no faith? Yes, absolutely. You can trust the Lord when you have no faith. And so part of it, how can I get good things to happen when, I, when I'm lacking in faith. And so here, Ezra is recognizing we are moving. It's going to take us four and a half months. There's thousands of people coming along. And we are not protected. We don't have protection along. And so, what, can I trust the Lord in this? And he's, he was wavering to a certain point. He's saying, well... I said that I can trust God. Now I'm, I'm not sure. Can I trust the Lord? And so what did he do? And I, I would say this for yourself as well. If you are in a position where you cannot trust or you're saying, what's going to happen? I'm not sure what's going to happen. Here's what you do. 
exactly what they did. He proclaimed a fast throughout the river that we might humble ourselves before our God. Number one is humble yourself before the Lord. Come to the Lord and share where you're at. I humble myself before you, Lord, because I, maybe I'm, yeah, I'm lacking in faith, and I'm not sure, God, can you take us through? Are you going to be able to keep us safe? Let me just allude quickly why it was such a big deal. Why it was such a big deal for Ezra. Because it was not, <laughs> one aspect was the humanity that was going with him. The families that were going with, the children that were going with, and there's no protection. But the other thing was, the thing that they were bringing along with them would have been in the hundreds of millions of dollars worth of gold and silver and different items that those, as they're traveling through the land from where they were coming from, to Israel, th those that were marauding or whatever would say, we don't care about your life. We will kill every last single person because we want to have the gold. We want to have the silver. And so there was literally hundreds of millions of dollars worth of gold and silver that they were bringing for the work and the things of the temple that needed to get done and accomplished. And so every item was itemized. It was itemized, and there was, so there was an account made of every single thing, the amounts. And so after they traveled for four and a half months, at the end, and there was a, a separating for the different, basically the 12 different uh, priests, and the, the tribes they were representing, most likely, each one was given one-twelfth to say, hey, this is, so it wasn't all just in one area, but it was designated to each of these priests and their, uh, their contingent were responsible for it. When they got to, to Jerusalem, there was not a single thing missing, and there was nothing that was taken. So, before the trip even began, they humbled themselves. So, in your journey, in whatever you're going through, and you're saying, I don't know if, if God's going to keep me through, humble yourself before the Lord. Turn to the Lord and let Him know what you're feeling. This, I love the fact that this is recorded. That He's saying, well, I can't ask the king for help after I've been saying that the God we serve is such a great God. I can't ask Him. Like, it just... It's not right. Well, I need your protection. And so it's like, but Lord, here we are now. We're getting ready. And all the, the, the wealth that is coming along, the material things that the world would say, hey, let's take out that, that uh, train that's loaded with major wealth. And now here he is, he's humbling himself before the Lord. They are humbling themselves before the Lord. It says, to seek from him the right way for us. I'm going to seek from him the right way. 
In the New Testament, in Matthew 6, it talks about worrying. I'm worried. You know what? Worry is, a, is all about, I'm not sure I can trust God. Worry is all about anxiety. It's all about what's going to happen. And it is so human for us. And the Lord would say to you, even as you humble yourself, and you say, I am determined to seek the right way. What you have for me, what you have for me, what you have for my family, I will seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. So in Matthew 6, verse 31, it says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. The Lord knows where you're at. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Or in other words, you know what? Don't worry about the things that haven't come to be or exist yet. You're worrying. You, you, you can't change anything. But for today, deal with the things. There's enough things today that you need to deal with. Deal with them. I'm not saying don't make plans. Don't have, uh, have a vision. Don't have dreams. I'm, but I'm saying... Oftentimes, when, it, when we do have dreams and visions, we start to come up with every single argument of why it can't happen, and especially the things of the Lord. I don't know, Lord. I don't know if you can take care of this, and I'm not sure, so I'm going to humble myself, and I will seek from you the right way. I want what is right. This thing of seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, most of you as far as I know, if not all of you, have already done the first thing. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. In Ma uh, Matthew, or sorry, Mark 1, verse 14, it says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So most of you have already done that. You're in the kingdom of God. You are children of God. And so what did you do? You, the first thing you did, there was a turn, there was a repentance, and then there was believing in the gospel, and you entered through that, those keys of repentance and believing in the gospel. You entered into the kingdom of God. You are already there. You're in the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. So you're already there. The second part is, to not just seek the kingdom of God, but to seek his righteousness. To seek the righteousness of the Lord. Romans 3, 21. I think I read this just in the last few weeks. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. To have the righteousness of, of God apart from keeping the law. Because we can't keep the law. Eventually we, we fail. So here God is saying, I can have the righteousness of God apart from the law, it's, it's revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So the law is a witness that I can get a righteousness apart from the law. And the prophets declared as well this righteousness, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ 
to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we can't make it by keeping the law. We've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. However, being justified, made right in God's sight, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, this sacrifice, this to appease the wrath of God in us breaking the law, Jesus took the wrath of God on the cross for us. The wrath that God would pour out on us, he took it fully. And the sin, our sins was put upon, upon him. And so the, he, God set forth as a propitiation, Jesus, by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So it's as simple as all I have to do to get the righteousness, I seek the kingdom of God first, I'm in, because of my faith or my repentance, I turned to God and I believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to get his righteousness, that's all I need to believe in is Jesus Christ and him being that sacrifice for me. By faith, just simply by faith. And so I receive the righteousness of Jesus upon me. And it gives us this place to boldly enter into the presence of God. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. This is Hebrews 10, verse 19. How do we come in the presence of God? By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So the veil was torn in two. The veil that kept everybody out except for the high priest once a year. We were, they were kept out. Only the high priest once a year could go into the presence, into the Holy of Holies. And here... As he, his body was broken and, and torn and, and, and uh, he died on the cross for us, it says we can go in to the holy, the holiest by the blood of Jesus through the veil that is his flesh. Otherwise, we cannot enter in. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, we are right before the Lord. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And so this thing of when I don't have faith, if you don't have faith, it's about the fact that your faith is in the wrong thing. It needs to come back to where we have the opportunity to come in into the presence of God. We come in by faith through his blood, faith in his sacrifice for us. So I'm going to seek him from him the right way. I need to have the Lord take care of me, have the Lord take care of my children and, and my possessions, the things that I have. Do not depend on man. And I, I thank God that Ezra did not depend on the king. 
to get him through. He depended on the Lord. Listen, so often, I'll tell you, when, you, when your faith is lacking, oftentimes you say, oh, God can't help, so I'm going to look somewhere else because I don't think God's coming through for me. So I'm not going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to trust in man. And that's when we really start to go off on tangents. We go off here. We go off there. Lord, you're not coming through for me. So I'm going to turn away from you to man. In Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. So don't trust in yourself, your own understanding, on your own wisdom, on the wisdom of man. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. As we acknowledge him, he will take care of everything. He is the one that is going to guide you. He's the one that is going to lead you. He's the one that will sustain you. Praise the Lord. I want to I call Sam. Sam, if you'd come. And you, you had something the Lord put on your heart today. And the amazing thing is, so I'm going through and I'm preparing. Next thing I get this text from Sam, and she's saying, you know what, I need to share this. It must be for somebody. So uh, come on up here, if you would. Sure, come on up. You want Having this carnal-minded argument with the Lord. You need to start over. Get the microphone. Okay. Um, so the Lord put this on my heart last week, and I kept arguing with him that I didn't want to share this. But he told me that it needed to be shared tonight, and that someone needed to hear this. Okay, so here it is. Um, so many of you know that 16 and a half years ago, I came back to Niagara Falls um, after being a drug addict. I had absolutely nothing to my name. I didn't have a bank account. I didn't have any ID even. I came with the clothes on my back 16 and a half years ago. Um, so when I came to the Lord, I started tithing. I tithed when I could, when I had the extra money. The Lord blessed me with a wonderful job. I have a car that I lease. Um, but last year, my bills got a little bit heavy. So I wasn't really tithing. I would give when I could. And I noticed last year that my finances were an absolute train wreck. So I was reading my Bible at the end of last year in December. And so I just want to read what I have highlighted here. It's Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So I have um, a study Bible here and I like to um, read through the extra notes that they have written. So I'm just gonna read that. Many people give God their leftovers if they can afford to donate anything after their bills are paid and their wants are met, they do so. These people may be sincere and contribute willingly, but their attitude is nonetheless backwards. 
To give God the first part of our income demonstrates that he has first place in our lives and that our resources belong to him. We are only managers of God's resources. Giving to God first helps us conquer greed, prioritizes our role in contributing to God's kingdom work in the world, and opens us up to receive the special blessings he promised to those who put him and his purposes above all else. So I read that and I said, you know what, Lord? I do trust you 100% with everything in my life, so I'm going to start tithing on everything that I get, and I mean everything. So I've been doing that faithfully. Um, so here's the story. I had someone call me multiple times while my car was broken down. I didn't have a vehicle. There was something that they desperately needed, and it wasn't worth a lot of money. It was like $6.50. Okay, so she called me, called me, called me, called me, and I thought, Lord, you know, like, does she not know who I am? Like, I have no money. But the Lord said, you know what? Just show Christ's love. So the day that I got the rental car, uh, they messaged again. And they really needed what they needed, and it wasn't worth a lot of money again. So I looked in my bank account. My overdraft was overdrawn to the max. I was in my car, so I looked in my cup holder. I had exactly $6.50. So that's what she needed, and it ended up coming to, I think, $6.10. So lovingly and Christ-like, I said, okay, you know what, Lord? I do trust you. I'm not going to get paid probably for, I think it was three or four days, but I trust you, and I'm going to buy her what she needs, even though I don't have any money. I have none. Like, I'll give her that. So I proceeded to buy that for her and um, went and gave it to her. Within the week, I was told that I would be getting a check for exactly 1,000 times that $6.50. So you just can't even make this stuff up. Like, honestly, like, out of nowhere, I get this check for $6,500. Like, come on, it's, it's God. Like, it's all God. When you start giving him your first fruit out of the goodness of your heart, not because you have to, not because you're told that you're, you're supposed to do that, but when you change your heart posture and you do it just because it's, it's God's money to begin with, he will absolutely bless you. So, yeah, I thought that was um, just amazing. Like, like, my God is so good. I put my trust in him 100% with everything in my life now. And it's, it's good. It's really good. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> Praise God. With men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. He is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his word. In Philippians chapter 4, and once again, not to say that we may not go through difficult times, but it says, and this is Paul writing to the Philippians, and he is under house arrest. He's, he's already been several years unable to go where he wants to. And so he's under house arrest. 
And he says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased when things aren't going well, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Then this verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even in the hard times or in the good times. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So here there was in verse 23, Ezra 8, verse 23. It says, so we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. You know what? When we come to the Lord with the needs that we have, and sometimes we're, we're trusting in the Lord, just like Sam is saying, you know what? I'm going to grab a hold of your word. I'm going to grab a hold of your word. And I, Lord, I'm expecting for things to happen according to your word. This thing of fasting and, and, and treating the Lord, it's to set aside the things of distraction. I'll tell you, um, when you start fasting, the thing that, that really comes out is the fact that, man, am I hungry? The, all the other things are put aside and you, 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 yeah, I'm hungry. But Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm trusting you. I'm entreating you. I'm, I'm asking of you the things that I cannot do on my own. And even my faith, it's, I, I'm lacking in faith. Lord, I'm entreating you. I'm fasting. I'm putting everything aside at this time. That not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Let me hear from you. Let me obey your word to me. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I love this aspect of with thanksgiving. I bring my prayers and my supplication, my requests to him with thanksgiving. I'm thanking the Lord before the answers come. In the thanksgiving, you are already saying, Lord, I'm trusting you to take care of the need. I'm, gonna, I'm thanking you for the needs that I'm bringing before you, that you are able to take care of them. So we let our requests be made known to God, Philippians 4, 6. And then it says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He is able to do the things that we cannot. God is able to protect and keep us, our children, and what belongs to him and our possessions. And this is where the next number of verses, it talks about, he says, I separated the 12 of the leaders of the priests, and he gives some of the names, and he weighed out to them the silver, the gold, and the articles, and the offering of the house of our God, which the king and his counselors and his princes and all Israel who were present had offered. There was a huge giving from the king and from the people that were still there of Israel that were not coming. They had given an offering to take along, and I weighed into their hands 650 talents of silver. They, they say a talent is 72 pounds. 72 pounds is one talent. There was 650 talents. I checked out to see what the price of, of, uh, uh, of silver, and uh, basically it comes out to, I think it, I should have put it in, I think it was $528 for a pound. 
I want to say. So 72 times 650 times 528 is $24.7 million worth of just this 650 talents of silver. Then not including the silver articles weighing 100 talents, 100 talents of gold. So there was also the 100 talents of gold, which at this point is 30, uh, roughly $32,000 for one pound of gold times 100 times 72 because there was a talent one pound or, se or one talent is 72, comes out to $230.4 million. Like we were talking, we're talking a, a significant amount that they had to, be, they were entrusted with. And it wasn't like, well, this is our money. It was, no, this is for the Lord. This is of the Lord. 20 gold basins worth a thousand drachmas and two vessels of fine polished bronze, precious as gold. And I said to them, and I want to make the point here, we can trust the Lord to protect us, our children, and our possessions. But let us be good stewards. Like you, you just shared. And I, it's, it's amazing. I didn't know what you were going to share. I knew the verses you said that you would share. And I, I said, I, I'm going to put you on it. But I didn't know what you were going to say. Let us be good stewards. A steward is a manager of what God has entrusted us with. To think that, Lord, I... Here I am. Can I trust you? You are entrusting me with something. You are entrusting me with, with things and it, that I would be holy to the Lord. And this is what Ezra says to those that were carrying all of these things. They were taking charge of these things to make sure that nothing went missing, nothing was stolen, nothing was put aside, but everything was taken and it would come to the house of the Lord. And he says, I said to them, you are holy to the Lord. The articles are holy also, and the silver and the gold are a freewilling offering to the Lord God of your fathers. Watch and keep them until you weigh them before the leaders of the priests and the Levites and heads of the fathers' houses of Israel in Jerusalem. You're not in Jerusalem yet, but that they would be exactly the same as when we left. So we're, we're taking, we're, we've got an account of everything that is there that the same thing would be there when you get to Jerusalem. And so the, and in the chambers of the house of the Lord. So the priests and the Levites received the silver and the gold and the articles by weight to bring them to Jerusalem to the house of our God. Let me ask you, what has the Lord entrusted you with? Can somebody, what, what has the Lord entrusted you with? With children. Absolutely. Lord, let me be a good steward of a good, good parents. I would be a good steward. You've given me children. Let me take care of them or teach them the ways of the Lord. What else has he entrusted us with? The talents that he's given us. Lord, that I would use the talents that you've given me, the skills you've given me, the things that you've put into my heart, into my life, that I would use them properly. I'd use them as onto you. So our skills, our talents, what else? What has the Lord entrusted you with? It says, hey, this is for you to take care of. Sorry? Your resources, your, your, the, the monies, the, the things that you make from your job. So your finances, the Lord has, has entrusted you with 
them your resources, your, 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 your time, the time that you have. Thank you, Lord, for the time that you've given me. Lord, that I would be a good steward of my time. There are other things that he's entrusted us with when it comes to the relationship that we have with him. That there would be a work of, I'm going to be a good steward of the relationship I have with God. That there would be a flourishing of relationship, a deepening of the relationship that I have, I have with God. My, my family, those that, children, spouse, my family. Lord, you've given me the fa my family. Lord, that I would be a good steward of this relationship, the relationships that you've given me. The body of Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. Lord, every part doing what it's supposed to for the edifying of the whole in love. Lord, let me be a good steward of what you entrusted me with. What do you want me to do within the body of Christ? What is it that you would have me do that I would do it well? So he has entrusted us. Why? Because he believes and he knows that with him, we can t be good stewards of what he's given us. Can I trust the Lord? He is, what he's given us, he's saying, you can trust me. I'm trusting you. Trust me. Trust me with these things that I've given you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says in verse 31, it says, Then we departed from the river of Ahava on the 12th day of the first month, which would have been April. So their month, the Jewish calendar starts from the Passover. And arrived in uh, and arrived to go to Jerusalem. Uh, and so that would have been, it was four and a half months later, it would have been in August. So they left in April, and they were, in August, they were in Jerusalem. Now listen, and the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambush along the road. So we came to Jerusalem and stayed there three days. The Lord will see you through all the things of your life. And so, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'll, I'll be a good steward. I'm going to be holy to the Lord. The things you have given me are holy because they're from you. Whatever it may be, whether it's spouse, whether it's children, whether it's family, whatever it may my relationship with, with God, holy because it is from the Lord. And I will treat it as such. I'll be holy to the Lord. I will be a good steward. Praise the Lord. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness. This is Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I'm trusting in the Lord because he will never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm not going to, it says, let your conduct be without covetousness. When we start to covet things, it's almost like our view is going off of God and it's going on to the things that we covet. Oh, I need that. I want that. How many of you have received something? You said, oh, I need to have this. And within a short period of time, it's like, ah. Oh. I thought it would be so much more fulfilling or whatever. It just really isn't. Anybody? Okay. I think all of us, sometimes we, we, we desire certain things like, ah, it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. 
If we keep our eyes on the Lord, be content with such things as you have and recognizing who we have as believers, as children of God, we have the Lord. He will never leave us nor forsake us and is there to sustain, sustain us in our lives because he is with us in our life now. So we will boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So verse 33, now on the fourth day of Day, the silver and the gold and the articles were weighed in the house of our God by the hand of Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the priest. And him, and with him was Eliezer, the son of Phinehas. And with them were the Levites, Josabed, the son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, the son of Benui. With the number and the weight of everything, all the weight was written down at that time. It's like they were faithful. Lord, you entrusted me with something. I will be faithful. I will be a good steward of what you've entrusted me with. Hallelujah. And just finally, in verse 35, the children of those who had been carried away captive, who had come from the captivity, what did they do? They offered burnt offerings to the God of Israel, 12 bulls for all Israel, 96 rams, 77 lambs, and 12 male goats as a sin offering. All this was a burnt offering to the Lord. Taking care of the spiritual end of where they're at. I can be faithful in all the different things, but Lord, let me acknowledge your sacrifice for me. All of this, the burnt offerings, they all had to do with pointing to Jesus and his sacrifice for us. And it's like, Lord, that I would, be re I would remember daily of your sacrifice for me. I would remember daily your sacrifice for me. And they delivered the king's orders to the king's satraps or leaders uh, and the governors in the region beyond the river. So all the others... They gave support to the people and the house of God. So, sister, you're being a, a, a good steward of what God has entrusted or had asked just this, this $6.10. $6.50. I don't have the money. And here, a thousandfold came. Just because it wasn't like you're saying, hey, I'm doing this because I want this. I'm just going to be obedient to the Lord. And so... There is a support. They gave support to the people in the house of God. It came in. I want you to know, we are the house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? So we're not talking about a physical building. We are talking about who we are as individuals. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Lord desires to bless and they gave support to the people and to the house of God, even as there is a re remembrance of Jesus Christ and what he did for them on the cross. One of the things that Jesus said, and I love this verse, and I, it, it helps me, because I, I, I like to be in like one, two, three. You know, these are good things to remember. Luke 9, 23 says, and he said to them all, to his disciples and those that were there, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, 
and follow me. Deny himself. I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to take up the cross daily. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me 2,000 years ago. You died for me, and I'm going to follow you. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his fathers and of the holy angels. Lord, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up the cross daily as daily a recognition and acknowledgement of who you are and what you did for me in my life. You have saved me. You saved me. You are saving me. You will continue right until the day of the Lord to keep me. I say thank you, Lord. Can we stand together? So I would say, can I trust in the Lord for my life? Absolutely. Because if you're not trusting in God, what are you going to trust in? It is something that will falter and fail. And the Lord is saying, I want to keep you. What does it matter if we gain the whole world and lose our own soul? So, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that your heart is not for our failing or demise, but your heart is for our well-being. Lord, you desire to lead us and guide us. You desire to give us wisdom. You desire to give us power. Lord, you desire to, to, to lead us to where we need to be. And Lord, all we have to do is place our trust in you, declare and acknowledge your wondrous sacrifice for us. You died for us because you loved us so much. And Lord, that it would be so easy to say, I'm going to follow the one that died for me. Because Lord, you do want for us to trust in you, to follow you. I'm going to trust you. You are faithful. I can trust in you, Lord God. Lord, I pray that there will our faith in you will grow even in the hard times, in the difficult times, this journey that Ezra had to make with so many people. And they, they were counting on him. And he was saying, no, 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 don't count on me. Let's fast and pray. Let's, let's entreat the Lord. And Lord, you answered the prayer. Lord, you will see us through. Lord, and even in, during the journey, we, as we begin the journey, we don't know what is ahead of us, but you are saying you will see us through right to the end. And so, Lord, we just say yes. We say we humble ourselves before you. I pray, Lord, even as our faith will shift to you, there will be miracles done that we would just have to acknowledge this is the hand of God. This is the good hand of God upon us. Lord, you are doing a work. That there would be acknowledgement. There would be a declaration in the house, in your house, in the congregation of the saints. There would be a declaring of this is the God that we serve. This is what God is able to do. And that we would give praise and glory and honor to you. I pray 
Lord, that the faith of each and every one would just be on you, be in you. And Lord, that you will do amazing things in the good times and the bad times. Lord, you will do amazing things because you are with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we will place our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. Um, for those that are able to, for the guys, we're going to be going to, uh, I guess, the one of the best places for coffee, which is uh, McDonald's. So McDonald's on McLeod. Uh, so if you want to have a little bit more to eat, uh, you can. But just a time of fellowship, just want to have a coffee or hang out. Uh, we're going to be heading there hopefully by quarter after nine or so. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.